This week on the podcast, I have an extra special guest. Stuart Bradbury is the managing director of Avantgarde. And if you are even remotely interested in how to create world-class global brand experiences for the likes of Mercedes, BMW, Porsche, Samsung, just go down the list of other global brands, then this is the podcast for you. They worked with Samsung on the Olympic torch relays for London 2012, where they had millions of people in the streets with the torch. They've worked with Porsche at Le Mans. We discuss everything from the highs and lows of winning new business, growing a pioneering global brand experience agency, his hiring process, how to expand internationally, how to do it, and, and the pros and cons for doing so. He said, over the last five or six years, brand experience in many ways now leads the creative process, whereas in the past it was sort of seen as a bit of a bolt-on. Brands would typically run with their creative advertising campaign, and if they had any spare chains, they'd be like, oh, maybe we should do some experiential now too. Now, experiential leads those brand campaigns, which I thought was really fascinating. However, all of that has been challenged now due to COVID-19 and has led to some soul searching within the business, which we discuss at length. But surprisingly, they haven't actually been affected too much by COVID because of their really strong base and their operating model. If you're interested in any of that stuff, then you will find this conversation to be absolutely fascinating. So without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with Stuart Bradbury. Stuart Bradbury is the managing director of Avantgarde, the leading global experience agency with over 700 people and clients like Mercedes-Benz, Microsoft and Lufthansa. He has many years of in-depth, hands-on experience of all facets of brand experience from strategy and budgeting, from assigning scarce resources and balancing staff workloads to creative and innovative development and timely delivery. His reputation built on a wide network of Western and Central European and Middle Eastern clients is solid and extensive. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Stuart Bradbury, welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Hi, Nathan. How are you? Absolutely. All the better for speaking to you, Stuart. I've been looking forward, <laughs> I've been looking forward to speaking to you for quite some time. Uh, uh, your, your background and history is absolutely fascinating. Your father worked for NATO when you mm. were young, so you spent a lot of your early childhood in international schools. Yeah. So you, you must have had a lot of friends from all over the world. What perspective does that give you about the appreciation of different cultures religions and beliefs and how did those influences impact your business career yeah good question i mean um yeah i mean i i grew up uh, predominantly in uh, central europe and um you know the school that i went to um i think they boasted over 80 different uh, countries of uh, of of well, students that came from 80 different countries and and so I very quickly, uh, from a young age, was given the opportunity to really appreciate cultural differences. And, you know, I've got friends still to this day all over the world. And and so from, from a very young age, and also in that kind of, um, I suppose, bubble, a, a lot of friends used to come and go as their, you know, parents worked for, for embassies or, you know, large sort of international corporations. So you were kind of pushed 
to the fact that you had to make friends uh, very quickly and then they would be there for a couple of years and then <laughs> they would move on to somewhere mm. else or you know you would move on so so that ability to be able to appreciate different cultures and and have friends that came from all different sort of religions and, and mm. backgrounds was was just the norm for me from a very mm. young age and you know I've kind of carried that appreciation uh, throughout my life and and actually you know, from a sort of business perspective, a lot of our clients are international. And so that ability to understand what might work in uh, one market might not necessarily work in another market. And so that understanding of different sort of cultures and um, ideas um, has has always been very much part of my personal and, and business life, really. And as I said, I've you know got got friends that I made um, when I was young to this day that are you know dotted all around the world. Hmm. You you studied industrial engineering at the University of Salford and graduated in 1996. Mm. How do you go from industrial engineering <laughs> to a career in marketing and brand experience? Yeah, no, that's a good question as well. I mean, basically. Um, with my with my degree course, we actually had a module in new product development as well, and that was based around how do you design, develop a a product, but then importantly, how do you take that to market? So it gave me the basis of understanding core sort of marketing principles, and and although I was okay as a designer, I very much you know appreciated design and creativity, which you know obviously I still do to date. I, I realised quite early on I was not going to be the next sort of Philip Stark, and uh, um, and you know one of my close friends, you know even today, who was the uh, designer um, of the Kindle, I could see that you know this individual, he he saw design and was was able mm. to create. Um, products at a, at a different level mm. uh, to my ability, and um, and like Picasso, and, he was able to see the the, the statue, yeah. he was able to see the marble. He um, was he was <laughs> he was the next Philip Stark, and he is the right. next Philip Stark in my right. eyes. Um, and um, but I I really really enjoyed uh, the marketing element of it, and how do you actually take a product to market, and and uh, what the principles are behind that and how do you succeed in doing so so from there i really started to uh build an interest in in marketing and so from graduating at university i was fortunate enough to get a role at exxon mobile in their marketing department and so i was able to start to build i suppose my skills in marketing from that sort of the early stages of my career and it kind of grew from there really so I, following um, working for a big, big uh, blue chip corporation mm-hmm. um, such as uh, Exxon in their marketing department, I, I started to think, well, you know, I still have a very strong appreciation for a well-designed product. And um, at that, uh, that point in my sort of career, I thought, well, what's a really well-designed, exciting product? And I thought, well, sports cars are. Um, hmm. Why don't I look to see if I could get a career working for a sports car brand? So I was fortunate enough to work for MG Cars. And um, from there, 
um, became the sort of London brand manager for, for MG cars and, um, mm. and, and spent a number of years, uh, working for that, for that sort of single brand. And, and then from, from that point onwards, I started to obviously, uh, work closely with agencies and, um, and, you know, other brand managers and so forth. And, and I started to see, okay, well, then, this world, this agency world, they work with lots of different brands and, mm. you know, they work on all different exciting launches and campaigns, et cetera. And, mm. uh, so I, I, I started to feel that I needed to take that step into the, to the dark world, to the, the dark world <laughs> of, uh, of agencies. And, uh, sure. and, um, I, I, got a role in sort of business development um for an advertising agency called the bank and hmm. um and that's that was my first step into the sort of agency world and and, and working across multiple brands as opposed to just working closely on one which was mg cars so that's kind of how i made those sort of career steps from from industrial um engineering <laughs> at some yeah. of university into um yeah into the agencies really fascinating so so you uh you were at the bank for roughly about six years as yeah. i understand it and you say that your biggest passion was sales and new mm. business and it still is today you, yeah after my own heart i'm exactly the same way but you most people don't go around saying that too loudly because sales <laughs> is has still a dirty it's still a dirty word to be a salesman is it sure. actually maybe that's something we have to discuss is it still a dirty word? And, I don't. Um, th- I, look, I, no. I think different. Different. It's funny. It, it's perceived in different ways in different uh, markets. Actually, um, mm. um, I think what what I'm very proud of is is business development, and then that you know obviously encompasses um, sales. And you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm very passionate about business development, and that's where I've sort of built my career. Um, over the last sort of 20 odd years. And, and the reason I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely passionate about that is, is that I get to work on pitches and I get to create opportunities, um, for an agency where myself and a, and a team of creatives and, uh, strategic, um, experts and, uh, and client services experts, work together um to to create a proposal a pitch uh for a client and and the energy and the creativity and the buzz of doing that is is in my opinion a, a fantastic part of um agency life and 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 when a client decides a new client decides that they wish to choose you as the agency and, and put mm. their trust in you as an agency because you have demonstrated that you've, you know, met their criteria and that they are, uh, you are a team that they wish to work for. In, in my opinion, this mm. is, it's, it's, a it's a fantastic yeah, part a of the, uh, it's a real buzz. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and that, that has never, ever dropped in my, in, in my time working for for different agencies i i love that part of it and of course i love the part of when you start to see that idea come to life and whatever form it might take but those Mm. initial elements of you know um having that first conversation with a potential client that then leads to a brief and then you work as a team to form a 
a, a pitch um, and then when the client decides that you are the agency yes. they wish to work for, wow, there's nothing, nothing Great better feeling. in mind. Yeah. 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 However, however, when when they say, unfortunately, on this occasion, <laughs> <laughs> equally low lows. Yes. When, when the opposite happens, right? It's the peak control. Absolutely. Of, Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I always say that um, you know the highs can be very high and the lows can be very low when you yeah. when you don't get it right. There and, you go. Um, you know that's that's part of it. I mean, I'm, I suppose I'm I'm very competitive, so that also um, adds to my yeah. I suppose uh, personality of uh, of pitching. I enjoy that competitiveness as well. So yeah, really interesting. Let, let's talk a little bit about Avant Garde. Mm. So after about six years being at the bank, you were headhunted by Avant Garde. Um, tell us what they were what they looked like at the beginning because. Avantgarde now is a pioneering global brand experience agency. You've been around since 1995. You create impactful brand experiences that deliver amazing results. You've got 700 people, as we said at the top of the show, in everything from strategy, creative, consulting, storytelling, data science, just, just go down the list. What did they look like when, you, when they first approached you? Yeah. Um, well, just, where, just are you, where are they now? Absolutely. I mean, just prior to that, and I, I shouldn't ignore or forget, not ignore, but forget that I, I worked for an experiential marketing agency for, for three years, which uh, was called um, Ignition. They're, they're, they're now hmm. part of the sort of Wasserman group. So when I, when I worked from sort of more of a, an advertising agency into the world of sort of experiential marketing, it, the first sort of big step was working for for that agency before before Avant Garde, um, mm. but that I suppose the reason I wanted to highlight that was that it that really started to introduce me into um, the world of experiential marketing, and um, you know we worked on I worked on a lot of different sort of campaigns, big sports activations, big sort of music um, events, and. And it was from there that sort of took me to to the world of avant-garde. And I mean, avant-garde has been going since since the mid eighties, mm. and um, they've always been the pioneers of of brand experience. And in fact, the heritage of of avant-garde and how it started off was that they used to create these fashion events, and they were very unique. Um, in their sort of creative approach and 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 brands started to sort of pay attention to these sort of fashion events and I wanted to get involved and wanted to be sort of sponsors or partners um, of them and and that's where it kind of started to sort mm. of grow as as these brands got involved because then they started to want to use avant-garde for their sort of experiential their brand um experience requirements so so the the sort of evolution of us as an agency very much sort of started as sort of live events and uh, and certainly these sort of fashion events and then we started working for the likes of say bmw and mercedes and obviously with sort of car manufacturers they wanted to you know they have products that they needed to launch and it's you know it's a very competitive market so you know, that industry alone has been sort of at the forefront of sort of brand experience because they mm. need to look at doing things differently each time to attract, you know, their audience, whether it is press and journalists and ultimately, obviously, um, customers. So 
the evolution of sort of um, where we started, which was, as I said, live events to, to where we are today, which is brand experience, um, the key sort of elements of that evolution is, is that, you know, we have taken a very strategic approach to how we deliver um, our, our campaigns. And they can involve many different assets of uh, the sort of marketing mix, whether it's creating content, using social influences, digital tools, digital amplification. And so actually the core of what we do now, and it's been very interesting, you know, certainly over the last, um, I would say, five or six years, is where brand experience now can lead that, um, that campaign, can be actually the leading part of it, as opposed to in the past it was – quite often considered as a bolt-on, okay. you know, you know, you would run with your sort of creative advertising campaign and then they'd say, well, maybe we should do some, yeah. you know, some um, experiential marketing as well. And we'll, if you've got we'll add some budget left it. over. Yeah. Right. And, and actually, you know, it's evolved immensely now so that actually often, you know, brand experience is, is the start and it is actually the center of what we're, what we're delivering and how we communicate it. And, you know, it kind of grows, grows from there, really. Hmm. Tell us about a campaign that you're particularly proud of. It must be amazing to work with both the BMW and, and Mercedes have hmm. them both as, as clients. Are they coming to you and saying, we, we want ours to be better than theirs? Like, <laughs> are those the kind of conversations that they have? Uh, it's, <laughs> no, it's no, it's never obviously as, as clear as, uh, as, as straightforward as that. But, um, I, I mean, I think a campaign that I can look back on, there's, there's, a, there's, there's been many over the years and I can say, you know, working with Samsung on the Olympic torch relays. We toured that over, you know, over to over a thousand different towns and cities across the UK. And we had millions of people lining the streets as we went through those different towns and cities with the Olympic torch. That was a, you know, uh, a great, great activation to work on. Um, I've also had the uh, privilege of working for Porsche at, uh, Le Mans and when they've uh, won the Le Mans and uh, we've been responsible for all their sort of hospitality and their their partnership activation. That was, that was a really exciting um, event and uh, uh, to work on. Um, But I think one that kind of stands out for me um, certainly again was actually for Porsche because we, Mm. we, uh, we were basically, they came to us and uh, said, look, we need to create new fans for our for our brand, and um, unless you're in the market to buy a Porsche, which let's face it, most of us aren't, <laughs> um, going into a dealership is, is quite intimidating. You know, they tend to be out of town, mm. um, and they're quite intimidating environments. Unless you're feeling very confident that you can buy one, so you're never going to have that much connection with the brand and Porsche. Um, could see this and they said look we need to create new fans for our brands because they could potentially be customers in the future so how do we how do we approach that so we developed we created an idea which was actually called the sound of Porsche and this is a global 
touring um, activation, a series of pop-ups that have gone into uh, a number of different markets around the world, into city centers, um, into locations where um, young individuals can, uh, young demographic can actually um, enjoy and interact with the Porsche brand. Now, Porsche have a lot of stories to tell from, you know, winning Le Mans to featuring in uh, Disney films, you name it. And mm. um, and what's very unique about Porsche is the sounds that they, they create. And there's even, you know, huge fans out there that can hear a particular sound of a Porsche and tell you that you know, mm. that's a 916 just by the sound of its exhaust. So they've got a very distinct sound to them and they've got a lot of stories to tell. So we created an idea like I said, which is called The Sound of Porsche, which was basically like your sort of old-fashioned traditional record store um, shop, you know, where you'd sort of flip through the record sleeves on a Saturday right. morning with your with your pocket money to find your uh, favorite artist and go home and play that record. Yeah. And um, so we created this experience where, again, using digital technology and um, RFID um, technology, we brought these stories to life um, in uh, in a series of pop-ups. And it was there really as a sort of brand engagement piece where it was about creating new fans for, for Porsche, where they could learn about Porsche, they could, mm. you know, experience the brand. And that, you know, was, was a w- wonderful um, series of projects to work on, which I said, toured around the world so that one um kind of stands out for me yeah really fascinating by the way if porsche ever need anyone to test drive any of their cars or <laughs> doing any sort of new brand experience testing absolutely I'm, I'm available. well i tell you what they've got a fantastic center in silverstone where you can do that and um i've been fortunate um enough twice now to be invited by porsche to go to silverstone and have this this uh, Porsche driving experience and it really is uh, really is a wonderful experience a wonderful Amazing. day out so I do recommend it <laughs> so so your services read like something out of a marketing degree textbook everything from sort of consumer insights market trends research analysis uh, ideation and transformation brand experience go down the list um, what are clients buying when they buy avant-garde that is different to a imagination or a Jack Morton? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, really, it, it comes down to the fact that, you know, our, our slogan is about creating fans um, because nobody is more loyal to a brand than a true, a true fan. And that's what we um, set out to achieve. Um, and that's what we, we deliver for our clients is about creating fans for their brands. Um, now, we take a very strategic approach when we do this. So we have a very strong strategy department within avant-garde and they obviously through data build up on sort of insights and then work very closely with our creative teams to um, develop a a solution, an idea um, that would appeal to their target and to our sort of clients target audiences and we within the avant-garde offering we you know we have a number of different teams that focus on uh, many different sort of uh, areas of the sort of marketing mix from 
from social through to digital to architecture to sales promotion. And, and it really starts with what is that core idea? What is that big idea before we start really focusing on what channel is the best way to sort of activate it? Um, but we always have, and this is a, a, a mission, this is a sort of ethos that we have across the whole of avant-garde, which is about creating fans. And that's, that's what we set ourselves out to achieve for our clients. Mm. And that's what I believe um, sets ourselves apart from our sort of competition. We've obviously got a very good and very strong uh, international network. And I think the other thing really to add um, which I don't believe other networks can offer is that we work as one agency. So though, although we've got a very good geographical spread, we very much work as one agency so that we share best practice. It's very common for sharing uh, team members in different offices. Um, and we work very uh, collaboratively together. We work very well together as a sort of team. So we put the best people together to answer our clients' requirements. So there's never this point of, um, you know, we need to do something in South America. Mm. Who do we need to talk to in South America? We know who they are. We work together as a team. There's regular contact, regular communication. So um, that's how, you know, through a sort of interdisciplinary team is how we kind of work. So talk about what this looks like today, because we're all operating in remote environments when Boris tells us we need to be home by 10 and we can only sort of be around six other people and those those are members of our, of our own family. The, the experiences you've talking about, spoken about so far have been mainly physical real world events. Mm. I would have imagined that this would have significantly affected the business. How have you adapted Five or six years ago, we took the decision to strategically invest a lot into digital services, and we've, we've built that up very much uh, within the uh, within the agency. Um, what the pandemic has done is that it's accelerated five years of digital adoption in in the space of say six or seven months. Amazing, and you know. It's, it's really important that we needed to, to sort of embrace new ways of creating hybrid and engaging brand stories. And I think what clients and brands are, are, are looking for is it's, it's about defining a new level of trust. It's about going digital and it's, it's about exploring new ways of telling stories. And so as a business, we've been able to adapt quite effectively in that sort of digital world and being able to deliver experiences through digital platforms. And so with a lot of our existing clients and new clients, we've been able to demonstrate how they can approach that in the sort of new world of, uh, of digitization. So where we've been sort of in the past, we might have delivered an event or a conference or something physical. We've been able to bring that into the digital world very efficiently because of the investment that we took uh, a number of years ago. So it's it's obviously you know it's it's been a very challenging period for for many agencies and and, and certainly for you know our industry. 
And it's just like I said, it's about adopting and being able to demonstrate what we can do by reaching you know, our clients' customer base through sort of digital platforms and virtual environments, et cetera. You know, and that's the use of sort of AR and, uh, like I said, digital sort of platforms mm. that we've created to allow us to do that. And, but we do follow those sort of principles of you know, exploring and developing new ways of telling the story and making sure that that story is that thread is throughout um, the delivery of that sort of digital experience. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the operations of the business, especially in this environment of of COVID nineteen. Before COVID, if we if there was a business idea or a challenge, if we wanted to be creative, we would all get in a in a room and with a whiteboard and get some pens on the you know you know on the table and start brainstorming mm. ideas. Nowadays, that's not possible we're all working in more remote and hybrid environments how do you think about being creative and innovation now that we're all sort of working from home and we're in these remote environments yeah so i think we've been able to adapt very well within the sort of uh, new environment that's uh, sort of set upon us i don't think you can ever beat sitting around a table with uh, you know your sort of big uh, pads of paper and mm. pens and things like that and sure. that sort of ability to sort of feed off the sort of energy within the sort of room and um and and you know create that sort of buzz when uh, when sort of developing sort of creative ideas i mean but as i said we've been able to adapt pretty well and be able to do that remotely it does come down to good leadership um it comes down to obviously the individuals themselves and you know there's a number of tools that we we use where you know, you can actually be sketching something up, which obviously everyone can see from the sort of comfort of their, you know, from their living room or their sort of, uh, I don't know, high table, kitchen <laughs> table. Um, it's about working to a sort of a centralized um, document so that people are sort of, you know, your team are sort of feeding into that as opposed to sort of working remotely and then having to sort of like plug in. So, um, so I think... Yes, it's it has its challenges. I would certainly say that you know I I, I look forward to the time when you know we are uh, safely all back in um, one room together, um, being able to do it. But the digital tools that are out there at the moment allow us to still do it effectively, mm-hmm. and um, you still you know it you still as an individual have that you know that energy, that buzz to, you know, to develop creative ideas. And, you know, if, if you're doing it from, you know, uh, the comfort of your own kitchen, you're still able to do that collectively as a team through the use of, you know, mm. Zoom or, or Microsoft Teams. But it's making sure that you've also got the tools where you can feed into a sort of centralized platform. So it's capturing all of it and it's you're not working in isolation. Mm. What it also means is that you need to have many more regular, but I would say shorter um, meetings to make sure that everyone is on the same page and everyone understands the direction and is able to, you know, feed in. So I think it's it's doing it on a much more sort of regular basis, but keeping it short and punchy and 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 being very clear at the start when you're having a sort of Zoom or Teams call, what is it that you really need to get out of this 
particular call itself. Mm. So, yeah, I, I look forward to the day when we're, we're kind of back collectively, safely in, in, in one sort of space, but we're able to still, we've been able to adapt uh, effectively, um, still to be able to deliver strong creative solutions. Hmm. Let's talk about hiring. Um, obviously, we know that the, the agency business is reliant on getting amazing A-class talent and, and retaining them. How do you attract the best talent to work for the agency? And part two of the question is, is how do you structure your interview process? You know, what does a typical interview look like when you are evaluating a potential candidate? Yeah, sure. So I think about attracting the best talent to the agency. That's That's got to come through our work. Mm. And, you know, we've... we've over the years, we've uh, you know we've touched on some of this. We've fortunately worked on some very exciting um, activations, some very exciting campaigns, and and been and and again you know been very privileged to work with some some wonderful brands over the years. And and so it's through our work that attracts um, a great talent. And um, and also you know it's through word of mouth and 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 you know the the sort of culture that we have within avant-garde which is very international and as i said earlier it is very much a sort of one team one agency approach um even though we have a good geographical spread so culture is very important and team, team one agency approach could you just expand on that what do you mean by that yeah this it goes back to my sort of uh, earlier sort of uh, point in terms of sort of we have a good geographical spread, but we we share best practice. We you know we we share team members in you know across our sort of uh, international network. So mm. you know a, a lot of our employees will um, over the years will work um, in other markets within other sort of avant-garde um, offices. We also have um, a sort of in-house um, sort of intranet uh, hub called Binder, which we use, and that mm. shares information and case studies and thought pieces, etc. We also keep in contact with each other on a regular, regular basis. We have regular international um, forums that we get to. Um, in the past, I mean, not quite sure um, if this will happen this year, but we you know, we would hold a, a big uh, Christmas party in Germany where, mm. you know, all our officers uh, from around the world would, would come to. And, Amazing. you know, it's, it's a great way of getting all the employees together um, to celebrate on the, on the work that they've achieved throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we maintain that, that sort of international culture, but we maintain um, the fact that we are one agency and, um, and we're not hierarchical across avant-garde. You know, we all have an important part to play, whatever your role uh, may be within the business. Everyone has an important part to play um, in its success. So there is very little hierarchy um, within within avant-garde. And, you know, there is very much a sort of openness and transparency in, in how we communicate mm. um, with our teams and with our officers. So um, going back to your, uh, I suppose, your, your, your question in terms of sort of how do we attract talent yeah. it is through the work and it's through 
um, you know, the culture of the agency and, um, and, and what we've built um, up over the years. Um, in terms of the sort of interview process, it, it really varies depending on, on the role that obviously we're recruiting for. I mean, it really, you know, it comes down to, you know, if I want to generalize it, but a, a number of different stages. We always have um, a stage within the interview process where we'll set a particular challenge for mm. that candidate to go away and have a think about and come back and present. And that, you know, it, that challenge could be something creative, uh, could be something design-led, depending on who you're um, recruiting for, could be sure. something strategic. It could be about, you know, how do you build great client relationships? It, it, it really varies. But we what we like to do is we like to set a task um, for that candidate to come back and, and present their sort of findings and their sort of thought process. Um, we tend to always involve different levels or different sort of roles within the interview process as well. Mm -hmm. So you might have members from the client services team or the creative team, the production, the digital team involved so that we get a very good um, sort of overall sort of feedback from, from, from different sort of um, – uh, disciplines of the business when, sure. when interviewing candidates. And that can kind of sort of um, pull out different, um, I suppose, different, uh, not ideas, but different sort of uh, interpretations. Perspectives, yeah. which, um, perspectives, that's the word mm. I'm looking for. So, um, so I wouldn't say that there is one model that fits mm. all. It really does depend on, mm. um, on, what, on who we're interviewing and for what role. And and when you're finally sitting down with someone, when they're finally sitting down with the managing director of Avant Garde, what what are you looking for in in that person when you're sitting across from them? Are you are you good cop or bad cop in that scenario? <laughs> I've actually, funny enough, I've heard it both. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean from from my side, I think two two things that sort of come to mind when when I'm interviewing. Um, a candidate. One is character. Um, the other one is, you know, I'd like to try and understand what is, do they have that sort of entrepreneurial spirit? Mm. Do they have that energy? Are they, are they, you know, what has brought them to avant-garde? Why do they really truly want to work for us and not for one of our um, competitors? Mm. But I really do look for that sort of entrepreneurial sort of spirit um, that that candidate um, may have and 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 as I said, character is very very important. Experience, of course, is important, and, mm. and coming with you know relevant experience. But I think looking for those two key um, aspects is, is is quite key to me in the sort of interview process. Really interesting. Final couple of questions before we get mm. into our, our favorite questions towards the end of the interview um, that we ask all of our guests. So. On the international expansion question, um, I, I know that you are one of the few leading agencies in, in Europe. Um, you don't have an office in uh, North America, as I, as I understand it, yet, um, although that, that may be coming. When you're thinking about international ex expansion, this is a question that I've gotten from other agency owners. Mm. How do you even start thinking about that? Like, wh what are the options? What are the risks? What are the rewards? How how should the agency owner start thinking about whether they should 
open up and expand internationally? Yeah, um, just uh, basically, it comes down to a number of factors. I mean, first of all, is there's the sort of is there a economic opportunity there uh, to set up an office? Um, we've set up a number of offices internationally through client requirements. So mm. whether it's an automotive brand that um, wants or needs us to have a presence there, that has triggered us to open up an office, which we've then gone on to to, to, to expand and grow over the years. Um, but I think first and foremost, you need to understand, you need to sort of do your research. You know, what is the sort of economic opportunity to, to set up a presence there? How are you going to set that office up? Are you going to do it potentially in partnership with uh, a strategic partner to start off with? Or are you going to go, go alone? Um, where are you going to set that office up? What are the opportunities? Who do you need to start to lead that sort of presence? Um, and, you know, so there's a number of different sort of factors. What sort of investment do we need to put behind? Where do we see uh, the, the, the potential? How long will it take before we see the sort of true potential of setting up an office there? So there's a lot of different factors that you have to consider when setting up an office in a in another market do you set up an office with uh with a with a person who uh comes from that market you know who already has a presence there or do you take someone who's part of already part of the avant-garde family mm. to do that and mm. um you know there's pros and cons on both sides so so yeah there's a there's a, a lot of different factors that you need to consider when doing it but from my experience it's um, with the offices that we have set up in the past, it's come down to, you know, two reasons. Has a client got a requirement or is there an economic opportunity and we need to have a presence there? Mm, really, really fascinating. Let's talk a little bit about leadership and then we'll get on to our favorite questions. The question around diversity has, has raised its head again in 2020 mm. uh, for obvious reasons. And given your international background you're a great person to speak to and, and ask ask this question mm. too and even though we've seen a lot of progress with representation of women and minorities at the highest levels of leadership in recent years it's still lacking mm. and there's still a lot more that can be done is the industry doing enough what more can be done and, and what is avant-garde doing no i don't think our industry has done enough um there are a few initiatives and forums, but there is still a need for, for more to be done. Um, and I think there needs to be more of a push from industry leaders. And I think more action needs to take place instead of just talking about it. Mm. I think, obviously, it's, it's good that people and more people are talking about it. Of course it's good, but I think there needs to be more action uh, put in place. Um, I still think that our industry, um, and not just our industry, many industries are, 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 are behind. And, mm. and I think it comes down to leaders within those industries to, to act on it and, um, and, and really take the steps to make those changes. Um, you know, we ourselves, you know, avant-garde, we are making those steps. I mean, within my senior management team now, um, I think there's, within the senior management team, 40% of that senior management team 
is made up of uh, of women. Hmm. Um, I think there needs to be more and um, and, a, and a better balance. Um, so I think it really comes down to, as I said, leaders acting on it. And hmm. um, you know, I, I don't think our industry has done enough yet. Hmm. Really interesting. Stuart, I could talk to you all, all day about this, but we're running out of time. Let's let's get into everyone's favorite questions. These are the questions that I ask all of my guests. So I'm really excited to ask you some of these as well. Um, who is the man behind the brand sort of questions? Uh, let's start with our first one. Tell us about a time when you failed and what you learned from the experience. That's like an interview question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> A time that I failed within within the age within my sort of career um, within life. Oh, can we come back to that question? <laughs> I've got to I've got to have a think about that one. Okay, um, not that I don't think I've failed. I've failed many times. I'm Perfect. just trying to think of the best which, one. Which one can I talk about <laughs> without incriminating myself? Oh, um, okay. Um, yeah. No. I mean. I suppose on that one, but the time that I failed, look, I, I didn't do particularly well at my A-levels. Um, I didn't get the grades that I wanted. I didn't study hard enough. Uh, I was very fortunate that um, I was still given the opportunity to be interviewed um, um, by, by a tutor at uh, Salford University. Mm. So that was the place that I wanted to go to and study. Um, cause I hadn't actually met the grades that, um, I needed to, to, to get on the course and he, and I'm very, very grateful to this, uh, to this individual, his name was Nigel Howe. And, um, he, he said, look, okay, you haven't met the grades, but let's still have an interview and go from there. And we, you know, we, we did, we had a chat on the phone and then he invited me, um, up to Manchester and, um, and we, you know, sat in his, uh, in his office and, and had a, had a long chat. And at the end of it, he said, look, you know, I'm prepared to give you a chance, but you need to get some good grades in your first year. And I think mm. that was the sort of kick up the ass that I needed. Um, as I had sort of probably not studied hard. I know I hadn't studied hard enough during my mm. sort of A levels. And, um, and I wanted to, Proved to him that he, you know, he was taking a uh, a chance with me, and I wanted to demonstrate that you know he made the right decision. So I, I I did work hard and you know improved my my grades and got good you know good grades um, as a result. So yeah. um, mm. I suppose that was one that does yeah. stand out quite early on. What grades did you get in your A, a levels? I'm not telling you they're that bad. <laughs> that bad. Really? Move, move on. Move on. Next question. I'll, I'll I'll find them. I'll do some. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Let's just say that I was very much below what I needed. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, yeah, I I I was uh, I was given a chance. I was yeah. given a second chance. He gave me a second chance, and you know I. We, we we can all say this, but I learned from this. Give give people a second chance. Don't mm. base it on, you know, if 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 they haven't achieved or they haven't yeah. succeeded that first attempt, don't disregard them. Mm. Everyone deserves a second chance, sure. and uh, and he did. He gave me that, and um, I was very grateful. Yeah, yeah, great advice. Uh, tell us about some of your early mentors then who who have been influential in the way that you think about brand experience growing agencies sales and new business i think the the, the first 
MD, the owner of uh, the bank that I, I, I worked for for six years, he was a very passionate, um, creative individual. And um, he, you know, he was a great salesman. And he, he taught me very early on how to market an agency, you know, really believe in, in, in that agency and, and communicate that sort of vision and that belief to, you know, your team. And um, he was very, very good at sort of building that energy and that excitement and that passion within within the agency. And I learned a lot from him, you know, from from how to run an agency. Also, you know, and I've I've said this to him as well, um, not all that long ago. I also, you know, learned things from him what not to do. <laughs> um, and um, nice. but he. Uh, you know his his passion for making that agency succeed by delivering strong creative ideas. You know, came to me very early on, and um, yeah, I, I learned a lot from him. I I learned a lot from my second sort of boss. You know, who um, who was very strategic. Um, he was very calm uh, within the agency. He was always someone that you could go and talk to. He would always listen. And then, you know, prior to, to joining Avant-Garde, um, I, I, you know, again, another boss who full of energy and, you know, that energy rubbed off on, on all of his sort of employees, on all his team. And so I, I learned different things from all of them, really. And, and, and now working with the, um, the leadership team of Avant-Garde, I, I learned stuff from the founder, Martin mm. Schnack. You know, he's uh, uh, a very passionate, um, uh, very, you know, intellectual, very, very uh, clever guy. And, um, you know, I learned things from him. So I think you learn things from everyone, don't you? Mm. You learn stuff from people throughout your career, throughout your life. And mm. um, I think, you know, from my agency career um, to date, I've, I've, I've learned a lot from the bosses that I've had over mm. the years. The books question, tell us what books you're reading at the moment, what books have been most influential in the way that you think about business and new business and sales, marketing, brand experience. Tell us about some of your favorite books. Sure. So Agencynomics, um, I, I read um, a few months ago, um, which was um, written by an individual who, uh, who set up um, a digital agency and it was his sort of key learnings of how to run an agency. And, mm -hmm. um, that's, I thought that book was, um, yeah, it was, it, it gave me lots of sort of new ideas. Um, it reinforced what, you know, I had been doing and, mm -hmm. um, and it was just very clearly sort of set out. So I, I, I certainly enjoyed reading that one. Yeah. I tend to, I, I, I enjoy reading lots of biographies, I have to say. And oh, tell um, us some of your favorites. Well, I mean, I suppose one of my sort of uh, heroes is uh, a sort of well, he's he's been named as the sort of world's um, best living explorer. Who's uh, who probably heard of Ranulph Fiennes? So Ranulph Fiennes, and yeah. um, I've I've been fortunate enough to meet him a few times over the years. I first okay. met him when I was I think it was like sixteen or seventeen. Right. He came and did a sort of presentation at school about one of his new sort of expeditions so 
Um, I've I've read a number of his books over the years in terms mm. of sort of taking on big challenges and you know having the grit and the determination and the planning to um, take on those sort of challenges. And so I, I I get a lot from those types of books. I think. Interesting, interesting. No, me too. A- Amazon Prime or Netflix? What are you watching or streaming these days? That's good. Uh, Netflix. Uh, I did watch Amazon Prime, uh, Amazon Prime now and again, but uh, I've just finished watching Cobra Kai, which I uh, highly uh, recommend. Have you have you got children? I hope you have children. Or are you I just do, watching that but, for yourself? Uh, I, I do have children. I do have a child, a son. And he's too he's too young for Cobra Kai, so I'm so purely watching it. Uh, I'm purely watching it for myself. Now, I mean. Uh, I, uh, I I enjoy martial arts myself. I do a fair okay. bit of martial arts in my spare time. So okay. actually, I'll let you I've, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed watching Cobra Kai. It's, just, uh, it's been good fun. So that leads on to the next question. What do you do to keep mentally and physically fit? So, I mean, at the moment, I'm fortunate enough that I can I can cycle to work. Um, and so I've, I've been cycling every day. It's... Uh, I don't know. It's about ten miles to to work and ten miles back. So, um, so I'm, I'm I'm on the bike. I've uh, managed to reduce uh, the amount of time it's taken me to get to work from when I first started doing it. Yeah. Um, I also, as I mentioned earlier, I do a lot of sort of martial arts, judo, jiu-jitsu. So okay. I've been doing that on Zoom with uh, members of uh, my club, which. Uh, Keeps me uh, yeah. keeps me relatively fit, huh. and um, yeah, that's uh, I suppose those are the the key sort of uh, and 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 going for lots of walks. You yeah. know, I think we can all say this. I mean, I've you know where I live, I've got to got to know you know corners of uh, Wandsworth <laughs> I, that I never knew existed, um, <laughs> and certainly when we're in the sort of lockdown period and we could go out for our sort of daily walk, um, you know, I yeah. With uh, with my two year old son and my wife, we uh, we got to know different parts of Wandsworth which I didn't know existed. So Beautiful. yeah, walking in fresh air. Beautiful. Last couple of questions. Mm. Uh, what advice would you give to a young person or millennial who wants to start their career in a global brand experience agency? I, th- I think first of all, I mean, I would you know say so. Let's follow your passion. Follow that really, really. What is it that you enjoy? So, I mean, within, you know, our industry, within our agency, there are a lot of different roles. You know, you could be a designer, a creative, uh, a strategist, uh, someone within the client services team um, who has that sort of um, face-to-face responsibility with the client. So, you know, what is it that you really, really enjoy doing? Because that, you know, I believe... Um, you have that passion and you're able to sort of um, work and deli- you know, have a career that actually fulfills that passion. You'll go a long, long way. You know, it's um, so I would always say follow your passion and, mm. um, and, and get experience where you can and, and show. And it goes back to that point I said earlier about that sort of entrepreneurial um, sort of spirit. Mm. And, you know, I've got a lot of different individuals that work, um, within uh, within my agency and you know those that are really showing that sort of entrepreneurial spirit certainly during these sort of very challenging times goes a long long way you know it really adds to the culture of the agency it's you know it's proactive it's yeah. looking for 
new ideas and solutions. It's just that ability to be able to adapt, you know, in challenging times, which is really, really important, which, you know, I feel that we've been able to do um, successfully at avant-garde. And, um, yeah, so I, I would say um, follow your passion and um, get experience where you can and 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 um and, and and you know demonstrate that sort of entrepreneurial spirit yeah. you know, when approaching an agency so so just on that entrepreneurial spirit then it, it's it's those people that don't just wait to be told what no. to do it's those people that actually get up and say here's a problem and this is what i think we should do about absolutely. it here are some options right. absolutely you know absolutely there's um th- and those individuals will always go far in life you know, with that sort of mentality. Mm. It's it's not about waiting to be necessarily told. It is about being proactive. And it's about being proactive to say, look, I can see that this is a challenge or this isn't quite working um, so well. And here's some, some answers. Here's a possible solution. And, mm. you know, individuals like that will always go a long way in life. Mm. Great advice. And my final question, Stuart. What does it you know about growing a global brand experience agency today that you wish you knew at the very beginning of your career? I mean, first of all, I'd say um, it comes down to the people, the people um, that you employ, the people that you um, work with, the people that you sort of develop with um, mm. over the years. And um, that is, is really, really crucial um, to the success of, uh, of an agency. And I think you know, things move quicker than you think they will. I mean, technology um, is influencing more on everything that we do every day. And so I think it's really also important to try and stay ahead of those sort of, those changes and those Mm. sort of, uh, um, as technology sort of moves on so that actually you can embrace that change and um, that can also shape the way that you um, not also just run an agency, but also, with solutions um, that you can apply through, you know, whether it's AI, uh, machine learning to sort of um, your clients and you know, mm. what the possibilities are around that. So, yeah, I think those, that's mm. pretty, yeah, those are the sort of uh, things that I uh, wish I knew probably mm. more at the beginning of my career, which I know more of now. Really fascinating. Stuart, thank you so much for doing this. No problem. No, it's been nice to chat to you. Really enjoyed it. We have been speaking with Stuart Bradbury. He is currently the Managing Director of Avantgarde, a 700-person global brand experience agency. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to Apple Podcasts where you can listen to over 95 such conversations we've done now with world-class leaders in sales and marketing. Thank you for all your feedback and suggestions on LinkedIn and email. Write to me at Nathan at agencydealmasters.com. Please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Nathan Anibaba. We would be unable to do this show without our very own Dealmasters. Ahmed Ahmed is our editor. Chris Balchek is our booker slash project manager. Marian Begum is our head of research. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Agency Dealmasters. Masters.